Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. Obviously, there's a lot of good receivers in this year's draft, but we're united on Ruggs. Ruggs' speed, his strength, his playing style, his versatility is something that we feel like we have to have back in this organization. We were known for speed in years past, and we're going to be known for speed going forward, and Henry Ruggs is going to be a big part of that. That almost sounds like John Gruden doing an impression of himself. That was classic Gruden right there. So the NFL teams all start doing media with the draft wrapping up Saturday. Monday they do a bunch of media, and there is John Gruden talking about the Raiders draft, sounding like only John Gruden can sound. Visions of Cliff Branch. <laughs> Old school. There's a lot to be said for speed. If a team makes a mistake, capitalize on it, put the ball in the end zone, and move on. But Visions of Cliff Branch, that was a golden era of Raider football. We'll see if they can get back to that. The uh, New Orleans Saints assistant GM, Jeff Ireland, was emphatic about the fit with Jameis Winston joining the franchise. Quote, it's a compliment to Jameis Winston to understand where he's at in this world and sign a one-year deal here and learn behind Drew Brees. If Drew never said a word to him, he would observe more than he'll ever learn in football just by learning how Drew does things. He's an incredible leader. He's an incredible studier of the game, how he breaks down his opponents. Then he goes on to compliment the uh, coaching staff and all that. But he says, Jameis Winston will learn more football in a year than he has in a lifetime. This is uh, what we were just talking about with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers, PK. Who cares how much they try to mentor you? You're in the film room with them. You're there when they're going over the game plan. You're on the headsets on the sideline. You're standing there during timeouts hearing what they're talking about. You're seeing it all. You got a window. A window into greatness. Yeah, you could say that. Sure, I think it might be a little bit of hyperbole there to say he'll learn more standing around for a few months than he ever learned in his lifetime. I'm not sure that's the case. I think that might be a little bit of exaggeration. But nevertheless, I think if I'm Winston, I'm excited about this situation for a couple of reasons. One, I'm getting paid, so I'm on an NFL roster. I'm going to a great franchise. And then secondly, Drew Brees is 40 years old. Could be more injury prone. Maybe not. Maybe so. We'll have to see there. And then, uh, who knows, uh, Drew Brees got a two-year contract. And so, if he retires this next season or the year after, you're not even 30, speaking of Winston. And if the roster stays intact, then you just have to beat out Taysom Hill to be the starting quarterback and be a starting quarterback in the NFL again. So I would make the most of this opportunity. Who knows what's out there, but we've seen plenty of stories of quarterbacks where they have a little bit of playing time and then they sit or stand around and are reserved and then get back in there. I mean, this story on Jameis Winston, it can be far from done for sure. He has an opportunity to still play several years in this league. All of that is true. It's also an easy thing to say, but I think you got to give it a little more weight in this situation because Winston did throw for a lot of yards. He did throw for 30 touchdowns. With him, he's making a lot of big plays. What he's got to do is just knock out the negative plays. And it's not that that's a guarantee, but that seems, I don't know. To me, it seems easier. It seems less of a jump 
than it would if it was somebody who was, you know, throwing for 180 yards a game. You know, he's he's doing a lot of things right. If he cut those 30 interceptions down to eight interceptions, uh, he'd be a star. He'd be a big-time star in the NFL. 30 touchdown passes is a lot of TD passes. I long... I long for the first time when you reference Jameis Winston, you do not tell us 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Good luck And with he that. longs for that, too. Yeah, he probably does, actually. Because uh, at that point, he'll be a massive star. Houston Texans exercise their fifth-year option on quarterback Deshaun Watson, but remain hopeful that they can come to a deal on a long-term extension. The star, star quarterback now scheduled to make $4.4 million during the 2020 season. This is the very end of the rookie deal here, PK, and $4.4 million for a quarterback of his quality. That is a low number. So great for the Texans, but they know they gotta, they got to get a long-term deal and get him locked down. Okay. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. But we weren't bad people. We were just basketball players winning. And that kind of stuck with me because they didn't know who we were or what we were about as individuals in our family life. So all that whining they did, why shake their hand? They were just whiners. They won They won the series. Give them credit. We got old. They got past us. But, okay, move on. That is Bill Lambert, king of the bad boys. Zero regret. I don't care what the media says about me. I never did. If I did, I'd be a basket case, especially back then. He did an interview with ESPN's Rachel Nichols. So while uh, Isaiah Thomas showed a little bit of remorse on uh, Sunday night during the uh, the last dance, episodes three and four, none from Bill Lambert. Zero regret. Move on. They were whiners. We got old. They got past us, but okay. Yeah, I watched on. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a 22-year-old thing. I don't think Bill Lambert loses any sleep about it. Look, the way he played, not shaking someone's hand. If I'm going to list the 10 most outrageous things Bill Lambert did while he was a member of the Pistons, not shaking someone's hand is about 11th on a list of 10. <laughs> so, yeah, because, I mean, because you're, we're telling you're in the, the yeah. moment. Yeah, and because we're telling the Jordan story and all that video is fresh, it looked bad and it wasn't a great moment. But you're right. If you could go back and watch all the games, the screens that were set, the hard fouls that were committed, the guys who were dropped <laughs> like a sack of potatoes. And, and we're what? We're 20 years out. And I have seen that video of Thomas and Lambeer walking down that sideline past the Bulls probably 500 times. My gosh, this is such old news that who gives a flying rip? I, I just don't care about it because ESPN tells me that I have to watch it, basically. And now it's news because they decided and they put it on their documentary. Hey, Lambert is who he is. He was who he was, and he will be who he will be. And this is who he is, man. And he didn't get to winning two titles by being a Mr. Nice Guy. So he didn't shake their hand. That, that's what he wanted to do. I'm glad he's out there saying, hey, I didn't regret it. They were whiners. And you even hear Jordan talking about how Horace Grant was whining. Stop whining to the officials and just play the game and play through it all. So in the moment, he was upset that they lost. At least I knew that he cared rather than going hugging and kissing as if, oh, well, yeah, now I got three, four months off. So if I'm a Pistons fan, I'm totally fine with it.
The NBA's pushed back its original plan to allow players to re-enter team facilities for voluntary workouts. Now the date is May 8th. The league had been planning to reopen facilities beginning on Friday, including Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks facility in Georgia, which was among the first states to loosen stay-at-home orders amid the coronavirus pandemic. Hawks had pushed back against the NBA and wanted to wait until they had a better sense of how the loosening of the stay-at-home measures was impacting the region. So, a first tiny step on the road to the league returning, whenever that is, whether it's finishing this season or starting the next one. It's a tiny little step, but it's already been pushed back a week. You can drive yourself nuts with this if you choose, PK. Well, one tiny step for the NBA is one giant step for mankind. Thank you, Neil Armstrong. The Ball Brothers, Lonzo, LiAngelo, LaMelo, planning to sign representation agreements with Jay-Z sports management company, Rock Nation Sports. Lonzo's with the Pelicans. LiAngelo landed with the G League's Oklahoma City Blue this past season. LaMelo considered a top NBA draft prospect. He'll be in the upcoming draft, whether that's held in late June or pushed back into July, August, September, whatever. He should be going early in that draft. That's what they say, yeah. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Matt Harms, new BYU basketball big man, the transfer from Purdue, all seven, three of them. He's going to join us at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Big T, Thurl Bailey will be here at the start of the 9 o'clock hour. Coming up next... Carl Malone, the Utah Jazz, all the talk about the Pistons, the dirtiest team ever. How dirty were Carl and the Jazz? We will get to that next. We've got fresh quotes from Rex Chapman reviving that. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Chris Mannix with us from Sports Illustrated. I'd probably put my money on the game coming back in some sort of postseason form in July. And that means a three to four week type of training camp in June. Maybe they try to squeeze in a couple of regular season games. I don't know, but I do think we see some form of postseason in the month of July. A lot of this is going to be predicated on what we see coming out of Georgia and Oklahoma. States that are open for business on a limited level. Two states that also have NBA teams. If they're able to do it safely and we don't see a spike in infection rates and other states start to follow suit, which I'm sure they will, then I can see a lot more momentum for getting the game back. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing. And your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical Services will light up your day. Well, PK, if you love the 20-whatever-year-old debate over... The Pistons walking off the floor without shaking hands. How about Rex Chapman bringing up, the Jazz were as dirty as the Pistons, but not portrayed as such. Because this is something that 25 years ago, 20 years ago, we were talking about a lot. And it's back, baby. (laughs) Anytime you say it's back, you always follow it with a baby. (laughs) It's back, Doug. <laughs> Go back to ladies baby, and gentlemen. Please. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. 
Yeah, it was some certainly was a topic. I mean, we haven't been doing the show for 22 years, but we've been doing it for 18 years, and we didn't do the show together. We subbed a few times uh, back in the prime, but you know, obviously, we started in 20. Uh, 2002, yep. uh, and the stat- statues were not in their t- prime, but they were still playing. Uh, so it was a topic, and Chapman brought that up, and he resurrects it. And, you know, wh- what? what is dirty? I think that's the definition. How do you define dirty? I think you have to go there first as far as what do you think dirty is. So I personally have zero problem with the holding and the grabbing and the hard screens. And that was part of the jazz reputation and part of what got him labeled dirty. That's not the kind of stuff that bothers me. The uh, jumping up, as, as you saw Sunday night in the last dance, the, the jumping up, not making a play on a ball, landing on a guy and driving him into the ground, that's a dirty play. Low bridging somebody where they jump in the air and you hit them down low and they flip and fall on their head or their neck, smacking somebody in the face, those are all dirty plays. Um, but like tugging on somebody's jersey, eh. Grabbing somebody's arm when you're going for a rebound, my gosh, everybody who ever fought for a rebound in the NBA would be a dirty player. I just can't set the bar that low. Other people can, but I'm not going to do it. All right. But at the time the game was played, you know, what was dirty? Because you look at some of the notorious plays, and people say notorious, and they always use that word wrong when they say notorious. He was notorious for helping old ladies across the street. Yeah. Well, that's wrong usage of the notorious. <laughs> notorious is a negative word. That's why I use it often. And so you look at some of the plays that were notorious over the years. And, you know, you, the one that comes to mind is, uh, who was it? Mikhail Clotheslining Rambus, right? That was in some year in the finals. I don't remember what year. You probably would. But... What, what happened on that play? What was, the, what was the consequence of the play? Well, the consequence of the play was one foul, right? <laughs> was, was there anything beyond that? It was a foul. And so you could bump somebody and get a foul, or you could clothesline somebody and get, <laughs> get a, a foul. foul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the variance there between a touch foul and a clothesline while somebody's in the air – I don't know that you can. That's a timeline, a time frame. You can't get any wider, and yet it was a still. A, it was just a foul. So my point I'm making is that in those days, it wasn't like dirty play was discouraged. So if you are a player at that time, they're allowing you to do stuff, and so you, in if the player responds. So be it. Like Lambeer, there's a play of him just basically uh, assaulting Larry Bird, and they both fall to the ground, and then Larry just starts punching away. I mean, so that obviously is dirty, but I think that they, the league basically, I don't want to say condoned it, but they certainly to a degree allowed it. And so was that dirty? By what standards? By today's standards, man, you'd have 15 guys in Secaucus taking two hours looking over the film, right? Guys would literally... Flagrant one? I, don't need, I still don't to this day. Guys would literally be getting I don't know the difference between flagrant one and flagrant two. Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah, that would be happening. So, 
I take you have to look at dirty definition game. All right, well, PK's on uh, on remote. Uh, we're still social distancing, and uh, I'm in studio, so obviously he was breaking up there. But uh, his point is spot on here. To judge 1990 by 2020 standards doesn't work. The game was way dirtier then. And the league, that's an interesting point about condoned it, allowed it. Well, without question, allowed it. Now, to what degree was there the nudge and the wink? Uh, if you were with us in the last segment, you know, Bill Lambeer is not repentant at all, at all about the walking off the court and the handshaking and not handshaking. I mean, he, he just doesn't care. They had to rep and they had the title and the two go hand in hand. If they hadn't played that way, if they hadn't built, and it's not even really necessarily on the players. I think you got to put it on the Pistons management because they brought in and they ran through the roster and I'll probably forget some of the guys. But Rodman, who was relatively tame at that point, he wasn't he wasn't sideshow uh, Rodman that he became uh, with the Spurs and then the Bulls. He hadn't met Madonna yet. So, but but Rodman was still tough and physical, but he wasn't the dirtiest player on the team. Lambeer and Mahorn committed way more hard fouls than Rodman. John Sally was in there. He could smack guys around. So they built a roster. And I know I'm leaving somebody out. I, I swear they had a fifth big guy, and I can't think who it was. But anyway, they have a, when you build a roster with four people who play that way, and that's their style, Lambeer had some skill because he could shoot, uh, he could pick and pop, and he could shoot three-pointers and score a bunch of points. But he still hammered people. And Mahorn and Sally just hammered people nonstop. Rodman could defend and rebound, and he would hammer people too. So it's just... It's the way a roster was built. It was the way they played. And if they hadn't played that way, they didn't have enough talent to win championships. It's like they said in the last dance. They weren't pretty enough. They weren't considered the la- in, the, in the same class with the Celtics or the Lakers or the Bulls because they got there by hammering people. You know, they didn't have... They, they had some quality players on the team, but they didn't have as many Hall of Famers as those other teams had. So, that era, you just... You played that way. It was way more physical and it was dirtier. The part of the Rex Chapman tweet that I just don't agree with, the Jazz were as dirty as the Pistons, but not portrayed as such. Nobody, not even Pat Riley's Knicks, were as dirty as the Pistons. It's someone who was old enough to have watched basketball as an adult in that era, I thought the Pistons were the dirtiest team I ever saw. I don't think anyone ever committed more flagrant fouls and not all of them were called flagrant fouls because the game was ref differently. There was a whole different attitude in the league. But the number of times they would foul somebody and you'd be yelling at the TV like, you can't do that. <laughs> well, you can do that. They led the league in that. I thought they were the dirtiest team I ever saw. And I thought there was a wide gap between them and Riley's Knicks. And the truth is that part of the rep of both of those teams is that they won a lot. They were on national TV more. We saw more of their fouls. What was going on was going on across the league. I don't think that the level that it was in Detroit and a wide gap to them in the Knicks and probably a wide gap from the Knicks, but those teams were involved in more incidents and more fights. And, you know, we were getting to the point where you did see highlights from all the game. You know, ESPN was around and SportsCenter was a thing. So even though you didn't see as many games as you saw today, there was no league pass, there, weren't, uh, there was no NBA TV, there weren't doubleheaders every night of the week, there were national doubleheaders a couple nights of the week. 
So maybe we knew a little bit more about what some of those teams were doing. But in my mind, if you want to go the Jazz were dirty, that's always a tough one to refute. To refute. And not completely, but I think it mostly goes to Carl Malone. Because Malone did open up Isaiah Thomas's face with the stitches. And he did hit Robinson and knock him unconscious on the court. And he did break Danielle Marshall. I don't remember if he broke one rib or two or three. But um, so there were plays. Now, each of those plays you could try to explain away. And this is why it doesn't match up with the, the Pistons or the, uh, or the Knicks. You just couldn't explain any of the other ones away. Now, some people, and Rex Chapman would be one of them, would say, you can't explain Carl away. You know? But Carl at least had debatable points in some of his. When he knocked out Robinson, he wasn't looking at him. He threw an elbow. He threw the elbow on purpose. I'll always believe he threw the elbow on purpose. But he didn't know Rodman had, uh, Rodman, that David Robinson had ducked down and his head was there. You know, in a normal basketball play, he would have caught him in the ribs. Would have hurt him. Uh, but guys getting elbowed in the ribs, that happened all the time. I'd be interested to see when Rex Chapman says the Jazz were as dirty as the Pistons, but not portrayed as such. This is where tw- Twitter uh, fails us. You know, you got your 280 characters, just twice as good as the 140 they started with, but it still leaves out a lot of room to explain what was it. You know, there was certain a lot of a lot of the Jazz dirtiness goes back to the stuff that I don't care about. You know, Stockton grabbing and clutching, grabbing a jersey, trailing a guy going around a screen. You never hurt anybody by grabbing a jersey. You know, stop it. Does it get an edge? Does it irritate you? Absolutely. Both of those things. It is an edge, and it can irritate you. But it's either a foul or it's not, depending on whether the ref sees it and calls it. Hornacek took some heat for the way he set screens. And I can remember there was a whole thing about Hornacek and the way he screened David Robinson. That was a thing at the time. We can go over that if you'd like to discuss 25-year-old stuff. But did the Jazz have to wear a rep as dirty? Yeah. It was the way the game was played. You know, there were plenty of elbows thrown in the game. I don't know why one elbow opens a cut that requires 10 or 20 or 30 stitches and another one doesn't. But, hey, you, you can't dismiss all of that stuff. you got to wear some of it. But the Jazz, as dirty as the Pistons, I don't, ever, I don't think I've ever seen a team start as many fights, commit as many what should have been flagrant fouls, whether they were called or not, and some were and some weren't. No, nobody played the way the Pistons did. That's why they had the interview with Rod Thorne who, after he ran the Bulls, worked for the league. And when he was asked about it, he says, I don't think they cared. Yeah, and I don't think Bill Lambeer should wear all of that because he didn't build a roster. They built a roster full of guys that way. That was how, you know, you, you can go to the GM and the coach. They wanted to play that way. So to put it all on the players, it was, it was the, tie, the time and the style of the league. And that's how the Pistons were going to win. And that's how they got their two titles. And they wouldn't have gotten their two titles if they didn't play like that. Agreed. I just can't buy the Jazz were as dirty as the Pistons. Because, PK, did you ever see a team that was dirty as the Pistons? I think they're hands down. by They, they got the name Bad Boys for a reason. Nobody else got that. Because they committed more flagrant fouls than anybody else. And it wasn't close. Uh, I don't know that I've seen a team as dirty as them. But the, what that, that goes back to what is dirty, though. I mean, were they were those flagrant fouls? I mean, I don't even know the definition of flagrant foul. What, what's a fla- What was a flagrant foul back then? Yeah, it was way different back then. I mean, it was way different. Sometimes I thought, and I think it depended on the game. But there were times watching basketball play then. I thought you basically had to throw a punch. <laughs> that, that was if you didn't throw a punch, or or maybe I think they always protected guys getting hit in the legs when they're up in the air. 
That that low bridging, that's always been considered a dirty play, even in the 90s. Now, it happened, and it often led to a fight, uh, but that has always been recognized as a dirty play. But to your point about that takedown from the NBA Finals, that wasn't that unusual. I mean, it was a little unusual, and certainly it was in the Finals. It wasn't some random regular season game in January that may or may not have been on local TV, let alone national TV. But it also wasn't a total outlier. It wasn't like Kevin McHale was the only guy who took somebody down on a break in the NBA that season. That'd be ridiculous. And I think that goes back to the bigger point. Did the NBA condone it? Mm, Probably not. We probably need a word between uh, condoned and what was the other word you used? They certainly allowed it. You know, there's somewhere there's Allow. Yeah. Well, without question, they allowed it. And without question, looking back now... And I don't think it was that big a debate then. But looking back now, <laughs> this game now is much more watchable than that game then. They should have changed the rules 10 or 15 years earlier. <laughs> I, I, I like oh, the NBA now better watchable. than I watched them then. I watched them now. Yeah, but it's, a, it's, it's an aesthetically more pleasing game. It's easier for casual fans to watch now. I'd much rather watch this now than guys out there wrestling. Mm, yeah. Granted, we're the competitive hard- basketball. Right. And we're the hardcore. And so we'll watch anything. But I still think this product is better than that. And in retrospect, the isolation play and the hard fouls, the rule changes that, that changed the game and got away from those, ah, wish they'd come a decade earlier. Uh, the isolation, uh, yes. Okay. Guys standing around, I agree 100%. But hard fouls? I, I think we have hard fouls now. I mean, because I, I can argue, okay, today's more aesthetically pleasing. Great. And meanwhile, we're running over to the monitor over every little thing. I mean, it, it's taken to the extreme. Some, 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 the, a hard foul is just that. It doesn't mean that it's particularly, that's what I'm saying. Is it dirty? Not necessarily. A hard foul isn't always dirty, but yet I think they overdo it now. I think they spend too much time at the monitor. You've got to look at if if guys get chin to chin, boom, we got to go to the monitor. (laughs) Stop it already. These guys are in competitive environments, man, and they're they're balling out. And so things are said, things happen, but we've got to constantly go to the monitor. I mean, look at that Oklahoma City Jazz series, right? Oh, it was thought of as just so intense, and, and you were having scuffles all the time. I mean, freaking Bird and McHale and Lambeer are saying, what are you guys, you, you playing a love match here? I mean, <laughs> they, 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 stuff, stuff happens during the course of a game. So aesthetically pleasing to have two referees or three referees standing over at the scores table, headset. And we're waiting for two or three minutes to have some dude who I don't know who it is. It could be the Woody guy from the Pac-12, for all I know, in Secaucus, New Jersey. And the Woody guy. And he or she, or they're deciding something. The Woody guy sounds like a, a movie character. Sounds like you're going into Toy Story. The Woody guy. Yeah, Toy Story. <laughs> the Woody guy. <laughs> And that's aesthetically pleasing? Where they're going to the monitor all the time? I don't find that aesthetically pleasing at all. So I I think you can carry it too far. And I think that they've done that to an extent. Let them play a little bit. And and because the nature of the, the job is 
the player who's doing the local broadcast, and even a nationalist, a national broadcast, the analyst is a former player 95% of the time. I mean, you get Van Gunny who's a coach, right? And but But they have history in the league. Well, is it recent history or is it, 20 30 year history because a lot of these guys they get these broadcasting jobs and they stay on it until they drop dead almost to the point of literally they don't give the jobs up and i don't have any problem with that so be it so with that in mind what era did that guy play from where is he coming from because if he played 90s he's looking at it scoffing saying come on let him play and we we got to have a flagrant one designation and all this stuff I don't. I still, to this day, I don't know what a flagrant one means. I don't know what a flagrant two means. All that stuff that they concocted. How far do we go? Do we go flagrant three? Do we go flagrant four? Is it a flagrant seventeen? I don't know. I'm not interested in that. Play the game of basketball, and there's going to be some scuffles. Now, I'm grateful that they took out the rule. Uh, you know, you can't come off the bench. I don't want punches thrown. And I don't, I don't want brawls spilling out. I don't, even if it was contained to the floor and didn't go into the stands, I don't want that either. I don't want these guys swinging it. But, you know, a little pushing and shoving, and they go nose to nose, and they go chin to chin. And it, it, Come on. I've got no problem with that. But when we got to have a review every time that happens, I think that's ridiculous. Got a lot of people weighing in on this one on our Facebook page. You can hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Brett says, physical? Yep. Dirty? Eh, probably at times. Hurt people on purpose? Strongly doubt it. Even Malone's elbow to IT. I think it was more careless and perhaps a little flippant. I don't think Malone cared at all. But I don't think he had enough foresight to purposefully react that quick and unassuming to do it and get away with it. Meanwhile, Wayne oh, Hampton. Yes, on that. Yeah, Wayne Hampton says Jerry Sloan basketball, and Stockton was a master of the dirty screen. Good times! Double exclamation point. <laughs> That's where I really like to know the definition. Like, what is a? I think dirty it were good screen? times. What is a dirty screen? That's the stuff that gets me going. Like the, the, the hammering guys to the floor and standing over them. We all know those plays, and those were over the top. But when you start getting into setting a dirty screen, how did, how did that happen? What was that? What was so dirty? And why are we lumping in with these other plays where people can get hurt? Well, because it's against the rules. And so for some people, anything that is purposely done against the rules is viewed as dirty. So you jump to block a shot and you foul a guy and they don't call it. Well, they just didn't call the foul. That's not a dirty play in my mind. And if the screen, because you're moving some and you're, and you're holding, well, if it's a foul, they should call it. But it doesn't, that to me doesn't no. elevate to dirty. It just doesn't do it. Right, but okay, but if you block a shot and foul somebody, you're not purposely trying to do it. That's the point. Yeah, you foul them. Maybe you are. Maybe now, you some aren't. fouls yeah. obviously are on purpose. Yeah, but a basic. I'm gonna. You go and I try to block your shot, and I hit you on the wrist or I hit you across the head. I didn't mean to do it, and for some folks, that okay, that's a foul. That's fine. Whereas if I meant to smack you, that's dirty. If I meant to commit, and quote-unquote illegal act in the game of basketball, some people view that as dirty. Not all fouls are intentional where I intend to foul you every single time. Sometimes fouls happen, and 
that's just the nature of the game, right? You you try to go block a shot, and you see their reaction. A big man or whomever is blocking a shot, and they get 75% of the block is okay. But that 25%, there's some form of contact made. And the player, you can see the expression on his face. He like has an expression of disbelief, puts his hands on his head, depending on the situation. You know, Probably not so much in the first quarter. Fourth quarter with more consequence relative to the game, yeah. So that's not done intentionally. So not all fouls are done intentionally. But some people view, if you deliberately go beyond the bounds of what is allowed, that's dirty. Kenneth says, just because Carl knocked a few guys out cold, big deal. <laughs> okay, Kenneth, you're trying to be funny. There's <laughs> a few guys. He knocked out one guy. <laughs> Daniel Marshall was conscious the entire time he had his ribs broken. I think the Jazz, the jazz committed some dirty plays. They're not. Above saying that, are they? I mean, uh, come on. I'm it not, happens right. in the course of a game. and Right. Yeah. And I don't even know that you intend to take it as far as it goes. <clears throat> but in the moment, you're there reacting, and you do something, and you... In, see, like you're a little kid, and you did something you were horsing around i can remember i was with some friends and we were in high school and we it, we had we had a day off it was during the weekday and we're at the guy's house and he had a set of weights there i picked up the weights as a joke and i think he had an older brother who was much stronger so i start i pick up the weight set and it it would be it was a uh, like a bench press thing only it was on the ground it wasn't i wasn't uh, lying on a bench i pick it up i lose balance it goes to my right it goes through the window breaks the window breaks the glass right okay i meant to screw around i picked the thing up and then i lost my balance cuz i couldn't contain it and i shattered the glass I, I literally broke the glass so you in the moment you're trying to foul somebody and you want to make sure that he doesn't get an easy layup. So you carry it a little bit. And the next thing you know, it got carried two steps beyond what you meant. And the guy's on the ground. Is that dirty? Uh, I suppose. But did you intend to go that dirty? Did Mikhail intend to clothesline Rambus specifically with the intent to hurt? Uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'll say no. He meant to clothesline him. He meant to drop him. He meant to make sure he didn't get the layup. But I don't think he meant to, you know, break his collarbone, dislocate his shoulder, you know, whatever. But when you don't know someone's behind you and you don't know, or even if you do, you don't know you're going to get hit that hard, man, when you hit the floor, you're going to be pissed. And you're going to bounce up, and you're going to want to go. That's not a surprising reaction. Sure. And that's the way the NBA was in the 80s yeah, and, and 90s. Yeah, and what came of that? Well, I think that the Celtics feel like it intimidated the Lakers and that they won and a series in seven that they probably shouldn't have won. <laughs> they, they got a title that the Lakers should have had. And you didn't find that wildly entertaining? Oh, yeah, all the Lakers. Yeah, the, that was Magic and Bird. That was wildly entertaining. You'd have to be a fool to say that wasn't wildly entertaining. But that kind of stuff happened all the time. And today is better than that? 
I think the game today is better than the game then, the but yeah. I'm not going to go against the Lakers. I'm not going to go against the Lakers-Celtic matchup, but I think it would have been better if that if that stuff weren't happening even then. It's not a basketball oh, play. It's an intimi- that, it's an intimidation play. And you're right, it does become part of the story and part of the lore. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're you're a basketball purist. I view sports as nothing more than entertainment. I don't care who wins, who loses. I view it as entertainment. And that was entertaining. That series, that game, that moment, we're talking about it 30-plus years later. We're coming up on 40 years later, and we're still talking about it. That's not entertaining? That's a memorable moment. It's highly entertaining. But the core of the entertainment of that series was Magic and Bird's skill. Their ability to shoot it, their ability to, to pass the ball, and their ability to inspire and elevate their teammates. That was at the heart of what was so entertaining. Now, there's no question that was a dramatic moment in the series. But it wasn't at the heart of why that series was entertaining. At, at, at the heart of why that series was great was Magic and Bird's greatness. Magic and Bird's competitiveness to be great. Mikhail's competitiveness to not allow Rambus an easy layup. That's where I take it. And to me, that's why I'm a sports fan. I don't need two of the whatever, five greatest, seventh greatest, whatever it might be. I don't need that because you're rarely going to get that. You're rarely going to get those two guys squaring off with multiple Hall of Famers on each team. But I don't need that. I need players to give me everything they got and try their hardest to whatever the stakes are, whether it's a game, whether it's a series, whether it's a title. It doesn't really matter to me what it, what's at hand. Now, obviously, the bigger the stakes, the more intriguing, But and I understand that. But what I'm saying here is a first-round game in the first round and whatever. As long as these people are balling out, they're giving me everything I, they got. And sure, things can get carried away in the moment. And that's where I appreciate the league allowing it to not spill over to where I have the malice in the palace and I've got uh, whatever your favorite brawl was and it's ended up in the third row. That's over the top. I don't want to see that. But competitiveness confi- confined to the dimensions of the court and maybe it gets a little out of hand i've got no problem with it just don't run to the monitor every time they didn't run to the monitor then did they and did the world end did the game cease to exist no i can argue at that point it had never been more popular and sure magic and bird and the la and the black and the white and all that stuff that's been rehashed a thousand times over but it's the competitive nature of the game and i'm willing to stay to allow things to get maybe slightly out of hand who cares? It's in the moment. Guys lived. They both got up. They played on. The game continued. And there was all sorts of tension throughout the series. And if that would have been played with guys being lovey-dovey and going to the monitor every time and afraid to commit a foul, that wouldn't have been nearly as entertaining. Even if you would have had 10 Magic and Birds out there, you need some type of tension going on. You have something that I want. And I'm going to take it from you. No, you're not. I'm going to keep it. Whatever it might be. That's what you had with the Pistons and the Bulls. And you had the Pistons and the Celtics before that. And so they don't hug and kiss afterward. So freaking what? 
I would just say that because they changed the rules, and if they had changed the rules earlier, would McHale, instead of taking down Rambis, if the rules had changed earlier, would he spend a little, just tried to run a little harder and get there for that chase down block? Because they had changed the rules later, and LeBron, it didn't occur to him, and I can't remember who it was he blocked now, but it didn't occur to him to shove that guy in the back. It's Andre Iguodala. It was Iguodala, okay. Mm-hmm. It didn't occur to him to shove Iguodala in the back. He's like, I'm going to, a little more effort, I'm going to get there, and I'm going to slap that shot off the blackboard, off the backboard. And he did it, and he got there, and now it's a legendary LeBron play. But if the rules hadn't changed, would he have thought, I'm just going to shove Iguodala into the second row here and make it, you know? I don't know. We, we don't get to go back and replay that. And what, what play was more entertaining? Oh, they were both wildly entertaining. I don't see how you pick my I mean, depending on how old you are well, and which well, one I didn't you ask remember. If they were both entertaining. I would I rather asked watch which one was more entertaining. I would rather watch LeBron with the chase down block because anybody can shove a guy in the back, but it takes somebody special to chase a guy down, rise up and make that play. And maybe McHale was a great player and he was really long. Right. Maybe he could have made it if he that was the, the way the game was played. No, he couldn't have. He couldn't have made that play. He didn't have the athletic ability that LeBron has. Nobody does. Two players in the history of the game, maybe, combining his size and all that stuff that he has going on. So he he was able to make that play because of his athletic ability. McHale could have never made that play in 100 years. No way he could have made that play. That's not who he was. No. He was more anchored to the ground. So, I mean, I think that's apples and oranges there. Sure, if McHale had that athletic ability to make a clean block, you're thinking he's going to, well, I'm going to clothesline him when I can obviously make a clean block here and get our team going the other end. Of course he would have made that play, but he couldn't. So he did what he could to prevent the basket. That's competitive. He was balling out, did what he felt he needed to do. If he could have made the clean block a la LeBron, of course he would have done that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What'd you watch? Coming up next, and then Matt Harms, BYU's new basketball player, the big man, the transfer from Purdue. He joins us at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I am so sick and tired of seeing social media make this run that Aaron Rodgers isn't going to handle this like a professional and he's going to mistreat Jordan Love and this is a mess that they've caused and this is a wasted pick. No, no, no. They felt like Jordan Love was the quarterback of the future. They felt like it was worth the first round gamble and I agree with them and I think it's going to be handled well. Everybody wants to think a locker room is all warm and fuzzy, but it's not for him to go out there and say, okay, let's get you up to speed and let's do this and this and this. And so are you going to go out of your way to help develop this guy to take your job? Probably not. I wouldn't. It's up to Jordan Love to get himself ready to play. It's up to the coaches to develop Jordan Love. It's not Aaron Rodgers' job. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Watched a Science Channel show last night, PK. People smarter than me. All about the Hubble Telescope. 30 years of history of the, t- of the Hubble Telescope. Really cool shots from outer space. The universe. Are we alone? How many Earth-like planets are out there? How many could support life? Hey, the Navy just released three UFO videos yesterday. So Yes, they did. Out. They did. You're right. <laughs> oh, I love those outer space shows. I love that. You stuff. guys are deeper minds than me. 
Astronauts. <laughs> cool. Deeper minds, huh? Yeah. I mean, why do I care if there's other life out there? Is that going to make me uh, help me par the hole when I stand on the tee in my men's league? <laughs> I don't worry about any of that stuff. I don't even think about life out there. I hope that those people have some oceanfront property, wherever it might be. <laughs> <laughs> it's an ocean of nitrogen, but they have it nonetheless. <laughs> What'd you watch? Yeah, I saw the UFO thing. Yeah, I, I watched uh, Ken Burns uh, baseball on the baseball channel, talking about uh, well, Jackie Robinson integrating the league, Hank Aaron, and all this stuff. Uh, I mean, and Hank Aaron all the racist stuff that he had to had to handle, which is obviously unfortunate. They never bring up that 95% of the people, if not a higher percentage, are rooting for him. And you look at the stands in Cincinnati when he ties the record, and the, most of the folks are Caucasian, and they're going nuts. And then in, uh, in Atlanta, when he breaks the record, the same, same type of deal. It's unfortunate that you're always going to have those losers out there who hate people based on skin color. But I don't know that that's ever going to be eliminated. Uh, and it should be brought to the attention. I'm not saying that. But also it should be brought to the attention that most of the folks out there are good, honest people who support supported Hank Aaron in doing all that stuff. And so, you know, obviously I had known about that and I would seen all that stuff. So I watched that stuff. Was this part of his nine-inning uh, documentary? About two hours of it. As Was this yeah. part? Because he did the thing. It was nine, nine innings? Well, I was, I was writing massive. up what I'm going to write about. All right, Yach, you're going to have to work your magic again. PK's connection breaking up. We're doing the social distancing thing. People, PK's on remotes, and uh, I'm in studio. Yach's in the next room. We're all in our separate spaces. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, Matt Harms, new BYU basketball big man, the transfer from Purdue. He joins us next. Big T Thurl Bailey at 9 o'clock. Stay with us.